Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for tuning in today. I've got Tom Berkowitz in studio, and we're going to do what we uh, have been doing for the last couple of uh, months. We've been doing the new friend, same seven questions. And I think Tom's going to give a very interesting perspective as a Messianic Jew. And he's also been uh, teaching community Bible study for over 20-some years. He retired recently, but he hasn't slowed down a bit. Tom, welcome back. Well, thank you for having me back. Yeah, I love uh, your perspective, and I want to get to the questions, even though there's a lot of other things I'd love to talk to you about, because what we were chatting about in the green room was really interesting. (laughs) The explosion of Jews um, in Israel. And all over the world. And all over the world that are now coming to faith in Christ. Right. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, it really is. All right, let's get to the questions. Uh, pull up a seat and make yourself uncomfortable. Okay. All right, good. I'm here. here. We go. All right, good. All right, uh, Tom, question one. Is man separated from God? We are separated, and for 6,000 years, God has been wooing us back. And those of us who have received and believed that Jesus is his promised Messiah— and that he died for our sins, was resurrected from the dead, and ascended into heaven, we're no longer separated from him. He lives in our heart because he gave us the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to live there, who helps us through all our mishikas that we have, craziness that we live through in this world. So we're not separated. But those who don't have it, Jesus in their heart, who have not received him as their Messiah, they're separated from God. Mm-hmm. What was that word again you used? Mishigas. Crazy. Crazy. Yes. You dropping Yiddish on the show already? I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's in my DNA. <laughs> that's, a, that's all right. I kind of like it, actually. And with a speech impediment from North Minneapolis, it sounds really it's quite special. A, it's quite yes. a combo. Yeah. All right. Uh, well done. Question number two. What is the fate of the lost? Well, the fate of the lost is to be separated from God for eternity. And God revealed this real clear to the prophet Daniel at the end of that great book. And he writes, he said, And there there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, Jewish people, everyone who's found written in the book will be rescued. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt, separated from God. We just finished... Uh, the fall feast. We're actually in the the middle of the last one. But on Yom Kippur, Jews are praying that their name would be written in the book of life for another year. It's an annual renewal, renewable 
uh, deal. But we, according to the writers of Hebrew, have a much better. Once our name is in the book of life because the blood of Jesus is over us, we're there forever. Mm-hmm. It's I did not, not annual renewable. I did not know that, Tom, that it was an annual renewable endeavor. Well, well sure. On, on the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Teruah, which we called Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, from that day to Yom Kippur is called the Ten Days of Awe. Mm-hmm. And Jews will pray and repent and reflect on their life. And they're looking to have their name written in the book of life for one year. Okay. Because that's all it's good for. However, there is no, uh, in Leviticus 17, it says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And there's no sacrifice now. And there cannot be a sacrifice because God said you can only sacrifice in a place where I designated. His designated place was Jerusalem. Hmm. And that's destroyed. Wow. As far as the temple is concerned. Yeah. Awesome. All right, here's part two of that question. What are we saved from? We're saved from separation from God. From day one, God wanted to live with us. He wanted to embrace us. Adam and Eve in the Garden of of Eden— They were separated from the rest of the world. They were in the garden, and God wanted to dwell with them, but their sin separated them. So let me see, uh, 3,500 years later, approximately, uh, when Moses, he had Moses lead the Jews from their slavery, their captivity in Egypt and on Mount Sinai, he initiated the process of dwelling with them again. And what was the first one of the first things they did after they received the commandments? They built the, tar, uh, the Ark of the Covenant. They built the tabernacle. Why? Because he wants to live with us. Mm-hmm. And when they screwed that up, he sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. And what's the purpose of that? That blood covers our sins once and for all. And as he transformed our life from the way it was to where he wants it, the purpose is to live with us forever. Mm-hmm. Jesus, God called three people in the Bible his friends. He called Abraham. He had lunch with him. They were friends. <laughs> and Moses, he said, Moses is like all other people. I talked to him as one talks to a friend. Mm-hmm. And us. In John 15, he said, I call you friends. Why? Because we believe in him. We're covered by his blood. And he wants to live forever with us. Awesome. I love that. All right, Tom Berkowitz. uh, My next question is, what is the point a person is, is saved? What is the point where a person is saved and how? How does a person get saved? Well, it says in Romans... If I can get back to there, it says in Romans that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord 
will be saved. So what does that mean? It, it's more than just words. It means my heart is shifted from its focus on the world. Actually, its focus is on me. Mm-hmm. Or I'm no longer it's all about me. It becomes all about God. And when we say that confession, we put our faith in there, our lives are transformed. We're no longer who we are. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, with the Messiah, and it's and I no longer live, but Christ in me. And the life I live by faith, and the life I do live, I live by faith in Jesus, the Son of God. Mm-hmm. And that's the point that we're saved. Mm-hmm. Our life is transformed. See, what happens here in the U.S., we make these words, and all of a sudden they... Ah, everything's fine. But what Jesus said and what Paul has said is that you're born into his death. We died a death with him so that we can be raised from the dead. And we will suffer the persecution just like Jesus did. Mm -hmm. And what's the purpose of that persecution? To lead the world back to him. That's what our calling is. I'm thinking of Philippians 3.10. I'm going to try to get it up here real quick. Even though I think I kind of know it by heart, I want to be particular. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Right. That's what salvation is. Today, we like to think, Jesus is in the affirmation business. That's not scriptural. God wasn't in the affirmation business. He's in the transformation business. He wants to transform us. The church today, I'm talking the global church, is trying to conform to the world to make the message of the gospel palatable. Instead of having the gospel uh, have the world change and come to it. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. We're called to be his witnesses. Yeah. And it, you don't interpret the Bible through the world. You interpret the world through the Bible. Right. See, that's why you get the big box. That well, was the, very good. Yeah, the big box. <laughs> you saw my car and driver when you came into the parking lot? Very impressive. Uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah very thank impressive. You. Yeah. All right, let's take a little break. We come back. Tom Berkowitz is my guest and my friend in studio. We're doing our segment called New Friend, Same Seven Questions. If you've heard this before, you know how uh, great it is to hear these wonderful responses to such important questions that you probably hear yourself when you're out having conversations with friends or neighbors or doing your your uh, evangelical uh, work. And Tom is a Messianic Jew, so I love his perspective. So we'll take a break and be right back with more. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Welcome to the show. If you just 
joined us. I have to say that today is interesting here in the Twin Cities because yesterday you needed your air conditioning <laughs> and today you needed your heat in the morning. It's crazy. It's Minnesota. It's Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Tom Berkowitz is my Minnesota guest and friend in studio. We're continuing our series called New Friend, Same Seven Questions. And Tom, you're doing a bang-up job so far. Let me ask you the next question. What is the fate of the saved? What is the fate of the saved? Well, that's the happy dance. That means we get to <laughs> live with God forever. Mm-hmm. We get to live and reign with him forever. He calls us friends. We inherit everything because we're one of his children. I'm waiting for that day. Mm-hmm. And what are we saved to? What are we saved to? I asked earlier, what is the fate of the loss and what are we, what are we saved from? But what are we saved to? I mean, maybe you'll elaborate a little bit more on, on this eternal life and, and this abundant life that we have today. Well, we are saved to that abundant life. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief, Asatan, Satan, the deceiver, has come to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And that doesn't mean riches and everything else. It means you have meaning and purpose. You have peace with him. Jesus, on the night before on the night of his arrest, he came to his disciples and he said, My peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. Not like the world gives do I give to you. So do not let your heart be troubled nor be afraid. Because he knows that world and Satan wants to take it from them. But they can have the abundant life of, of living and seeing God's grace reigned on them, not only here, but for all future. Here it might require overcoming some pain mm-hmm. and some torture and some persecution, some hurt feelings. But there's still an abundance of life because people watch and they react to it. Give you an example. Uh, when I first became a believer, I... I went from zero to 100 in a nanosecond. So I went and grabbed the Bible, and I went to my brother, Bill, and I said, hey, Bill, Jesus is the Messiah. I found him. He's in. This book tells you all about it, and I want to give it to you. He got so mad at me, I had to kind of wipe the spit off my face. Mm -hmm. Ten years later, he calls me up. Hey, Tommy, you want to have some lunch? I said, yeah, fine. But bring that Bible you promised me, like I kept it for 10 years. (laughs) Only a Jew would think that way. (laughs) Because he he didn't take it when you tried to offer it. Oh, no. Yeah. No. So we met for lunch, and I asked him, I said, why the change? And he told me something that humbled me more than I've ever been humbled in my life. He said, Tom, I've been watching you for the last 10 years. You're not perfect, but you're not the same brother I grew up with. Wow. He saw a transformed life, and now I want it. Wow. So he took it, and we le- I led him in a prayer to receive Jesus as his Messiah. And his he went and told his wife, and she said, how could you do anything so incredibly stupid? Ended up divorcing him. So I asked him, I said, Bill, 
I'm, I feel bad for you. How do you feel? He's, he said, well, I feel horrible about that, but it doesn't change the truth. Mm-hmm. That's when I knew he would be fine, and he's still walking with the Lord today. Well, that's awesome. And that's been 33, 34 years. Well, that's awesome, Tom. All right, here's another question. Listen carefully. Do all who believe move from death to life? Yes. Okay. All call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We like to put caveats on it, but when a heart is sincere and it moves, Jesus says it's that simple. Okay. But believing is not simple. Yeah. But it's like my brother Bill. He he was immovable after that because he believed what he said. So he had a transformed life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So here's part two of that question. Can we have assurance of our eternal destiny? Absolutely, without a doubt. Now, we have to battle our own insecurities and our own, is God really there? And anybody who's walked the life of faith can go up and down, but you know that you know that he is true. And if it's true, we're locked step that we know that we're going to live and reign with him forever. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he's a liar. But he has proven to me over the years that he's not a liar. He mm. keeps his word. And the Bible's full of it. Mm-hmm. So, Tom, if we believe and we've moved from death to life, and there's some badness in between and wandering and ignoring your faith life for a season... We can still have assurance. Right. It gets to be a question that gets asked all the time. Jesus uh, said, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will cleanse you from your sin and purify you from all unrighteousness. No one can snatch you from your from his hand. Mm-hmm. Now, he also gives us free will. I'm one of those guys that believe in a free will. An outside force cannot snatch you from his hand, but you can choose to jump from his hand. Mm-hmm. And but how if, big is his hand? His hand. You're, is, you're, you can jump from a hand his size. Of course, because he loves us so much that he's given us a free will. But why would you? What did Peter say? You have the uh, the keys to the kingdom. You have given me. Where else can I find eternal yeah, life? Why right. would? And Peter's life wasn't perfect. We go up and down. Mm-hmm. You know, the Hebrew word for sin is missing the mark. Well, I may not hit the mark, but I'm shooting it that way. Mm-hmm. And there's a course correction. Okay. Thank you very much, Tom Berkowitz. Next question. Has God not given us all we need for life and godliness as believers? Well, he's given us his spirit, so we have all that we need, but we need to live the life like that. Paul writes it this way, but we have this treasure in earthen containers that is so so that the extraordinary greatness of the power of God and not from ourselves, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not despairing, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying around in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life 
of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Paul wrote that when he was in prison. He thought he was dying. He wrote it to the Corinthians because he thought he failed and because the church was in disarray. And what he found out, he didn't because the power of God, the Holy Spirit was living in them. And they didn't live a perfect life, but they stayed true to the gospel. And that's what happens. We have to overcome all kinds of, of forces, but we have everything we need for eternal life. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God. We can't be shaken. He's mm-hmm. given us His gifts over and above. So It's very um, reaffirming, Tom, to hear you say that. I believe it to be true, but we live in an earthly existence in a world where we have heartbreak and unmet expectations and disappointments and some right. might walk away going, boy, Lord, I don't know if I'm getting everything I need in this life. Well, we have everything. We just need to be circumspect about it. We need to trust. That's where faith comes in. One of the greatest blessings of my life was 35, 40 years ago, I had the privilege of meeting and talking with Richard Wormbrand. For those who don't know you, uh, he started the ministry Voice of the Martyrs. Richard was a Lutheran pastor, and he's also a Jew. And he was imprisoned in communist Romania for 14 years, for one, being a Christian, and two, being a Jew. And he was tortured, and he made it through because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And the story he told me about his friend Sam, who was also a Jewish believer, they're in with a bunch of intellectual atheists. They were in prison because they didn't embrace communism. And they used to, their favorite pastime was ridiculing Sam and Richard. But Sam was such a godly person, he would share his sparse amount of food with people who needed it more. And so they said to him, Sam, if you can prove that God is real and that Jesus died for your sins, we'll believe. And so he stood up, dusted off his rags that he was dressed in, and he smiled. And he smiled a godly smile that you had to be there to see. You could only smile that way in that hellhole after being tortured mm-hmm. continuously if you had the power of the Holy Spirit. All right. And every one of them sat down. Wow. Our time, we have 40 seconds. Um, as we submit to him, die to self, will we have an abundant life? Absolutely. But abundance doesn't mean riches. Yeah. Abundance means meaning and purpose. Like I was telling you before, in Israel, when it became a nation, there was 23 Jews who believed in Jesus, two families. In mm-hmm. 1989, there was 1,000. And today, there's upward to 50,000. That's awesome. That's abundance. Yeah. All right, one more uh, question, Tom, real quick. Tell me the name again for crazy, the Yiddish word. <laughs> Mishigas. Mishigas. Mm-hmm. Perfect. A listener wanted to know. Tom Berkowitz, thank you so much. It's been a delight having you here. Thank you. We're gonna thank take you a little, for having me. Thank you. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, Carol Olson and Becky Danielson are going to be talking about faithful grandparenting. Be right back.
It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. If you are interested in practical ideas for connecting the generations, that would mean grandparenting and grandkids, you have uh, listened to the right show today. I've got Becky Danielson and Carol Olson in studio. They've written a book called Faithful Grandparenting, and I am delighted to have them both here. Welcome, ladies. We're delighted to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Um, Why did you guys decide to write a grandparenting book? Confess. (laughs) Well... Carol and I have been friends for many, many years. We are both licensed parent-family educators. We have both been in the classroom. We have both raised children, so we have lots of on-the-job training. I had a rock star grandmother, and Carol is the grandmother of eight. Our Bible study um, group had been encouraging us for years to write a book, and we dove right in during COVID and put our book together. Nice. We started out by being in children's ministry at Christ Presbyterian Church. That was years ago. Nice. And so we had uh, so much in common that we both really liked working with families and found out that parents and grandparents, what they really love is their grandchildren. They want the very best for them. They want to encourage them in the faith, but really in many ways, don't know exactly how to do that and how to begin. And so the more we talked to people and gave ideas, the more they'd say, well, would you write that down for me? I'd like to remember that. And pretty soon we said, all right, we'll write a book. I like that. Now you've written it down and people can get your book called Faithful Grandparenting, Practical Ideas for Connecting the Generations. I love this verse, Third uh, uh, 3 John 1-4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That is so true. That, that speaks a lot to people. Yes. Mm-hmm. A lot to grandparents. Very definitely. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about grandparenting today. Uh, is it different? Very different. <laughs> okay. I, think- <laughs> I, like, I like vague, vague open ended questions, just so you know. It gives you lots well, of leeway to say what you want. Carol, why don't you tackle it? You're the grandma. Well, I'll start. I've had on-the-job training. But culture today, of course, we know is very, very different. But the one thing that I find people say, well, everything's so different today. And yet there are two things that have not changed at all. One is human nature and one is scripture. And so if we can work with our grandchildren to understand those two things, then we can kind of accept culture as it is, even if we don't like some of the things, and we can encourage them to uh, lean on uh, scripture for some of their learning. I think the busyness bill plays into that too, because families are busier than ever. It's not a choice of choosing a great activity from a horrible activity. Mm -hmm. It's choosing from a lot of great activities for their kids, including Mm -hmm. church, scouts, um, sports, there are a lot of things that families can do, and they get so busy that they don't they don't have time for extended family. Mm-hmm. So the calendars are busy, the family structures have changed. Um, it's just our culture as a whole is is not very family friendly anymore. Mm. Well, uh, one thing too is that so many of the families, both parents are working, and uh, one of the grandparents that I interviewed and talked to said, "Well, you know, I don't like babysitting. I really, oh, that's not my thing. But I really want to be supportive for my grandchild uh, and for my uh, daughter-in-law." And so what she did is said, "I know what I can do. I can drive 
my grandchild to nursery school every day. And then you can stay home if he, she happened to be pregnant at the time. So she could stay home and anticipating and then when the new baby came. But uh, Sarah had a lot of fun and a lot of enjoyment with being with that child every morning. Yeah, that's a great idea. All right, let's talk about what you would consider to be one of the most difficult aspects of being a grandparent today. Carol, I'm going to ask you to go first. I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> oh, well, I, I think probably um, one of the most difficult is um, we have children and grandchildren who have either abandoned faith or just find that, well, they're too busy to do all of the things such as Bible study or going to church. And so you really have to work at that. Um, we have a lot of fractured families today. A lot of times when there are a couple of different fathers and and sometimes you can be in a place where there are six or four pairs of grandparents. That can be very difficult. Um, and the hardest part, I think, for many grandparents today is to manage to go from being in charge of the family, being in charge of the calendar, being in charge of what's going on in the family, to being more of a cheerleader. In other words, uh, letting go of some of the uh, power and some of the um, determination you have to do it your way. Nice answer, Carol Olson. How about you, Becky Danielson? What, what, what would you say to that question? I think communication. I think okay. communication is hard. I think that vernacular in our language has changed. Um, I think the way we communicate with kids. When when my mom got her um, iPhone and started texting her college age grandkids, it was it was awesome. They mm-hmm. were in constant contact with my mother, which was fun for for them. Um, but having that opportunity to connect in ways that that are maybe outside of, and I think coming out of COVID, there were a lot of grandparents that that didn't have an opportunity to have that face to face time, so they had to come up with other ways of of building relationships and being part of the the family. And it's fun because we've we've taught a number of pa- grandparenting classes. And these same themes come up over and over again. And how do we connect? How do we do this? What if they live far away? What if they live down the street, but they don't attend church? They don't believe in Jesus. Well, how do we do this? And all of these, all of these different um, obstacles that grandparents have and encounter, it's been fun for us to be able to talk into that and for groups of grandparents to come together and share ideas. What if the kids say, not the grandkids, but the kids say, hey, mom and dad, grandparents, don't talk to our kids about God. Well, we've had mad. that. Yes, we've had that come up a number of times. So how Actually, does that get addressed? Well, we, we have encouraged grandparents that the number one best thing you to do, can do is get on your knees because no one can take care of impossible situations better than Jesus. Amen. You pray and you pray and you pray and you pray scripture over them and you pray for them and you live in such a way that they know exactly where you are. And then the children as they get older start asking questions and they it's it's their faith. It's it's not this they're Christians because their parents and grandparents are. They choose on their own. Mhm. Uh, I want to add one thing. Uh, tell what your grandmother, Kit Kat, did as far as praying for the grandchildren. No, yeah. wait, wait, wait. Your grandma's name was Kit Kat? Yes. My <laughs> grandma, I already like her. Yes. Oh, my, my grandma was amazing. She lived to 101, and she used to say to all of us, I don't know why the Lord is keeping me around the earth for this long, but I think it's to pray for you. And she would start with my mother. My mom was an only child, or is an only child, and she'd pray for my mom, first, middle, last name, and then she'd throw in the birth date, pray, and then my dad, 
and then the three of her grandchildren and our spouses now, and then the great-grandchildren. And she never missed a birthday because she practiced those birthdays. That is such a great idea. I, I wish I would have started that. It's too late now. My, yeah. my grandchildren, <laughs> eight of them are a little too far, and I can't start uh, memorizing their birthdays now, and I still have trouble. So I always think that's a real good idea for the upcoming uh, generation of grandparents. Yeah. You, have, you have them written down somewhere, though, don't you, Carol? Oh, yeah, and I come fairly close. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to offset. Now, is it on the second or the third? I have one that's uh, one that was born on the fourth of July. I always remember her birthday. Yeah, no, no way to miss that one. Let me ask you this, um, Becky, because you said your mom when she got a, a phone and started texting that was fun. Was it fun for her? I think it was. Okay, because it was a constant contact. Okay, I but think. I, that- I I always think pick up the phone and call your your grandma. That's what I always think, right? Well, they do we that like that. Too. No, they do that. They do that too. But I think the texting, there was so much freedom in it because it could be any time during the day. And she didn't want to bother them when they were in class or yeah. taking part in a, a sports activity or what have you. So it gave a lot of time freedom. We we've chuckled though because when my son was studying abroad, he would text her things, but it would come up, so she'd get the the notice in the middle of the night. The bing, her phone went off, yeah. and she'd worry right away. Oh no, what's wrong? Oh yeah, it's the time change. <laughs> All right, let's talk about investing in grandchildren. You talk about this in your book, uh, Faithful Grandparenting. How do you invest in the lives of your grandkids? Well, we we really take three, we break it down into three segments, the spirituality piece, the financial piece, and the relational piece. And with the spiritual piece, you know, I talk a lot about my grandma and what I learned from her. And when I stayed with her in high school when my grandpa was really sick, she had her Bible and she had written all over her Bible and I didn't know you could do that. And she explained why. And it's like, well, how do you find what you need to find right off the bat? You've written all over it. You underline and you make notes in the margin. And my Bibles now are all written up because of her. And you learn. So that spiritual piece. And I think the role modeling too. You you model what you believe and you use scripture and you trust Jesus. And then um, Carol's got a great story. A friend of hers had a child in a Spanish immersion Mm-hmm. And in Spanish immersion, she decided what she was going to do is give her grandchild a Bible that was in Spanish. And it was a way that she could connect. Now, I know you're going to be into this program of Spanish immersion. So why don't you kind of learn how to read the Bible using that language, which was kind of fun. I think there's a lot of ways we can invite our grandchildren to church activities. Sometimes there's some special program, even a music program. You know, somehow our children, our grandchildren love music. So get them introduced to the Christian music. It's a great way because once they start learning this music, they can learn a lot about what the Bible says just by listening to the music. So I, I, there's just a lot of ways that you can connect with them. One of the other ways about uh, financially investing in your children, one of the things we say is that um, there was a, 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 a grandfather. As you can tell, I talked to a lot of different grandparents to get a lot of different ideas, which is what are in the book. But he, just, he found out that his granddaughter uh, called him one day and said she really wanted to go to a Bible camp. And would he mind if he would... Uh, pay for part of it or all of it. 
And he was thrilled by that, first of all, that she was willing to ask him, that she knew he would be interested in that. Second, that she was interested in going at it. So together they worked out a plan where he would pay for part of it, and because he did this, he wanted to know what was going on at the camp and some of the things that he had learned and maybe the favorite Bible verses. So it was a real connection, even though it was a financial investment in his granddaughter. Yeah. And she didn't tell him up front the Bible camp was in Maui in January. <laughs> so that's... Then he would have wanted to go along. Yeah, okay. All right. You got to be careful. Um, let's... I, I want to get... This is exciting to talk about the practical suggestions for grandparenting. I'm with uh, Becky Danielson and Carol Olson. They've co-written a book called Faithful Grandparenting, Practical Ideas for Connecting the Generations. I love practical ideas. Uh, we've got... Uh, I think we'll take a break now and when we come back that will be the topic of discussion Uh, very good it will be practical suggestions for grandparents if you have one if you've got a really great practical suggestion that uh, that you'd like to share the text line is open 877-933-2484 again 877-933-2484 faithful grandparenting is the topic Carol Olson Becky Danielson are my guests I'll be right back We would love for you to share your story about why you love Faith Radio and what has Faith Radio changed the way you think about something or even how you live. We want to hear from you. Your story can encourage others and glorify God. Share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leaving a message today. If you are a grandparent, turn the radio up because we're talking about practical suggestions for you. Uh, Carol Olson and Becky Danielson are my guests in studio. They've written a book called Faithful Grandparenting, Practical Ideas for Connecting the Generation. So let's start talking about practical ideas. Carol, how about you go first? Well, that was really my job was to find out some practical ideas. And so I would... uh, interview anybody I could find. If I went to a a doctor's office and I sat next to someone who looked like a a, a grandparent, I'd say, do you have any good ideas? So I came up with some wonderful ideas. Um, One that I really liked was a a grandmother whose grandchildren, uh, grandmother and grandfather, whose grandchildren lived in Colorado or lived far from where they lived. And the problem was they couldn't see them very much. And she got this idea What about doing a book club with my granddaughter, who was 12 years old at the time? So she talked to the granddaughter, and the granddaughter said, Oh, Grandma, that sounds like a great idea. I'll select the book. And she said, That's fine. You select the book. And they did. And every Sunday night, they would do a chapter in this book. And they talk about kind of the worldview of the book and about the characters. It was a great way to instill some real character building in the child. But the most wonderful part was the little brother, who was 10, said, hey, will Grandpa do it for me too? Sure enough, Grandma and Grandpa both had book clubs. So I thought that was a great idea. I love that. Okay, Becky, how about you? You know, it's we the book is geared for grandparents. And I think of all the people that maybe either don't have grandchildren or 
have those kids that they've connected with at church and the neighborhood and all of these kinds of things. Um, and, and who can you come alongside that you can apply these ideas with, but still lean into if and when you do have your own grand grandchildren? Um, my husband and I, rather than giving our nieces birthday presents, Christmas presents, we give them adventures. And we have been all over on these adventures. And for kids to be able to spend time with people that that talk about faith and they talk about moral character and they talk about, you know, the good things. And even, you know, Carol and I were talking about on the way over, the leaves. The leaves wouldn't need, I mean, they could just fall off the trees. They don't need to turn all these beautiful colors. And what a gift that is from God. And talk into kids' lives, but the adventures that you can go on with children and young children all the way up to high school, college age kids. Okay, I need to know what one of these adventures looks like. Oh, name one. one. The Landscape Arboretum. And, oh. the, they, <laughs> the, and it's close right. to home. Yeah. And we, we went out and fairy gardens were their, their special attraction. And when they hopped out of the car, two little fairies happened to be in their car seats when we got back to the car. And that was the topic of conversation the whole way home about how it's, there's beauty and there's magic and there's wonderful things. And look at the world that God has created and look at these miniature fin- Fairy gardens, and then we went back to our house, and we built our own fairy gardens. Okay, I'm confused. So someone broke into your car? <laughs> well, this... Well, I'm saying you came back, the fairy, and there were fairies yeah. in the back seat. What, what happened? Well, I'm so confused. A slip of hand Rosie, from the little me auntie. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Okay, yeah. so that was a your doing. Of, yeah. Yes. All right, I feel, I feel a little, yes. Sorry a little better a little, right now. A little ambiguous there. So oh, dear. You're, you're making adventures kind of the, the gift outing. Yes. And, okay, making yes. that special. I well, love that. And we talk about, would you rather have a gift? Every every adventure, would you rather have a gift rather than an adventure? The answer is always both. Always. Nope, we don't remember. No. <laughs> <laughs> I would want both. We can't remember the presence, but we always remember the adventure. That's so sweet. So. Yeah. All right, Carol, you're up. Uh, well, um, Becky came up with the term, um, uh, the term, grandcations. It's sort of vacations with grandparents. Now, you could say, okay, my grandchild is turning 12, and when my child grandchild turns 12, wherever they want to go, I'll take them. Washington, D.C., Paris, France, uh, but that's a little out of the uh, norm for most people. So most people would say, okay, let, what can I do on my budget and what I would like to do. And one idea that someone had was they say, in our state, we have a lot of places to go. We have a lot of museums. We have a lot of adventures. So when the child turned 12, they would say, how would you like to go on a weekend adventure and you select the part in our state? So they got to do this grand adventure. It can actually be just going uh, maybe 20 miles down the road and having a swimming day at a hotel. There are a lot of adventures that uh, are grand adventures that can be real special. But I will tell you that you'll find that by the time the children get eight or 10, they're not quite as interested, oh, maybe 12, as interested in being with grandma and grandpa. Uh, they're finding that they have their friends at school and their new way of doing things. And that's something that's difficult for a lot of grandparents because they think, oh, they're belittling me. They're not paying any attention to me. And the reality is you should be celebrating the fact that they are moving on and that you have spent time with them so that they have a wonderful character and they can share that with their friends. I like that. All right, Becky, how about one more practical suggestion for grandparents from your book, Faithful Grandparenting? I think we, Carol and I, lean heavily into traditions. 
and the traditions of families and and what are those special traditions that that are traditions of faith but also maybe old time traditions my family makes swedish coffee cake on the 23rd always we used to take it to my dad's patients we we would make it for friends and relatives and this has continued and on the 23rd all the grandkids come all the kids come 23rd of december 23rd of december so the day before Sw- christmas swedish, eve so it's a swedish what coffee cake coffee cake and your address again is, is i will i will leave <laughs> it for you <laughs> i mean seriously i need to get that address okay i mean cuz that, okay. that that sounds i will how about if i deliver one to you coffee and everything <laughs> yes yes, yes it's very good yum. i could but use a know, snack right now <laughs> But the fact that we're all together is is huge, and it's it's this tradition that one of my nephews lives um, out of state. He told his boss when he took this new job, "I need to be home by the twenty third, <laughs> so that I can do this." And his new boss said, "Absolutely." Mm-hmm. You know, so so the traditions and the pieces, and I think rolling into that is how we communicate in the relationships that we build. When I, I mean, we we did so much with my grandparents, my mom's parents. And having an opportunity to build those relationships with me and the trust piece. I could tell my grandma anything and everything. And she was like a vault. And she was great with information, great with encouraging me. She ended every conversation with, and lovey, I will pray for you. And I knew she meant it, but I didn't understand how important it was until I was older and had my own children. Can yeah. I just add one thing? Um, you'll find in the book there are many ways to uh, connect a child to your family because we have found out and studies have been shown that if a child feels apart and connected to a family, a church, an involvement in some way, it really helps them to um, have a stable life. And so I think there are so many ways, and in the book it tells them that you can um, share stories of Great Uncle Ike or share stories of someone else or even read stories and then explain that um, this is a story that would have been important to a grandparent's life. Mm Mm-hmm. I love Great Uncle Ike. I mean, he was a former president was, of the United he States. He was great. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about General Eisenhower, right? No, oh, okay. no, no, no. Again. But, but that's close, close. Okay, I'm so confused once again. So when you do some of these uh, grandcations or adventures, do you find that this these environments are are more open for spiritual conversations because you're just in a different environment? You know, I think, I think Carol and I have talked for hours about quality time and quantity of time. And I think when you when you plan for a grandcation, you get both. Okay. You can't manufacture quality time with children. But if you're with them long enough and you've built those relationships, it tees right into it. Yeah. I want to say one other thing about uh, we talked earlier about quotes and uh, one of the uh, uh, grandparents every day would send a Bible quote. And that was wonderful. It sent it at when the children were very young because, of course, you can do that by texting them, by email, and you're not imposing upon them and taking away their time, and they can read it if they want or they can uh, not read it depending upon how they are. However, I found out, uh, so I thought I would do that too, and I found out it was wonderful except it was much too much time. I was not doing a very good job. So I would suggest that maybe every Sunday send a maybe something you learned at church from a sermon, maybe a Bible first, maybe just a thought that came up. And you send that every Sunday, I guarantee your grandchildren will look forward to Sunday and getting that information from their grandparent. Yeah, and Becky, even the way you're reflecting on your relationship with Kit Kat, your mm-hmm. grandma, 
and everything that she did, she might have felt it was a risk to do. But now look at the way you're speaking about the impact she had on you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, and and in within the faithful grandparenting, we have a number of grandparents who have contributed blog posts to faithfulgrandparenting.com. And the story of of the granddaughter that Carol was talking about that went to her grandpa, will you pay for this or pay for part of it? The whole story is online. And and we do have a um, free download grandparenting, intentional grandparenting planning page where you can plug all of these things in. What do your children like to eat, grandkids like to eat? What do they like to do for fun? What grandcations do you think you might want to take with them? So going on the website, you can just put in the search box plan or pull down um, from the menu grandparenting and it, it will pop up. And I think going into this with a plan, like Carol said, you have to have a plan to change the plan. And with kids, the plan's always change, but having an opportunity to think about, you know, how am I going to talk about Jesus with a two-year-old? How am I going to then, you know, weave that into conversations as this child grows and sending text messages with verses and talking about how, how faith has impacted my life? Because as a role model, when, when things happen, I mean, when my grandmother passed away, my oldest son was um, he wrapped me up in his arms when we walked into her room because I was bawling right off the bat. And he said, you know, Mom, you got to remember, Grandma Kit Kat's having a much better day than we are. Look where she is. And for a middle school kid to say something like that, 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 that talks to the faith that she spoke into his life and that my mother has spoken into his life and that Scott and I speak into his life and Scott's family. And, you know, be surrounded by people and not all children have this. That's why we really lean into what other children can you, you know, intentionally step into their lives and talk about Christ. Mm-hmm. The this- book is called Faithful Grandparenting, Practical Ideas for Connecting the Generations. My guests have been Becky Danielson and Carol Olson. Thank you both for being here. Thank you, thank for, you having for having us. Yeah, all right. Enjoyed We're, it. Thank you. We're going to take a little break, and then when we come back, we're going to continue our our red word, red series, red words that Jesus has spoken with one of my favorite guests of all time, Dr. Eric Tonis. I call him T-Dog. That's all up next. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.